0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset when it comes to faith, family, fitness, and food. Let's go. Here's your host,
1: Benjamin Lee.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. I hope and pray all is well with you. Today we have not one but two special guests on the show, David and Dana Caraza. I had the opportunity to meet them last year in Dallas for an event for their nonprofit organization called Sacred Selections. I will tell you right now that David and Dana, they certainly have an I can do mentality. They are all about helping other individuals, and as you will learn today in this conversation that you're about to listen to, they've just done so much for so many people around the world with their nonprofit organization. I want to read their mission according to their website. Sacred Selection's mission is to financially assist Christian couples whose hearts and homes are open to loving and raising a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The dream of parenting does not have to be constrained by limited financial resources. The foundation, its board, and many generous donors are committed to using the blessings we've received to assist in the wonderful effort in creating a Christian home and family. One of the things that really stood out to me with David and Dana was, or is their determination and passion when it comes to helping children find families. And you'll find out why as you listen to this episode here. My hope and prayer is that by the time you get done with this episode, that you will be motivated, that you will be encouraged to donate, to assist in some shape or form with what David and Dana are doing with Sacred Selections. They are doing something really great, and I hope and pray that they will be able to continue to do this for years to come. Enjoy the show. Here we go. David, Dana, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. great to be here with you, Ben.
2: Yeah, how are you guys doing? we'
1: we're, we're're we're, we feel so blessed we We got here to Norington, Tennessee on january twenty fourth and we have loved every single minute of it. It's just been great to be here.
2: Yeah, I bet I bet how has that been uh, how's it been different compared to when you guys are in
1: California? Rain. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. In California, from, from mid-April through October, the only thing you look at in terms of the weather is how hot is it going to be today. And uh, here, you know, you're, you're checking the weather about every two or three hours, you know. Uh, it's a lot more unpredictable here. Well,
0: it's been so much fun. We bought the house next door to our son and his wife and three kids and then we brought mama from um, california who's 91 and she'll tell you 91 and a half so my <laughs> son has two acres and we have two acres so we say we're the four on four family we're four generations living on four acres in tennessee and just wow. it's wonderful it's yeah. like my daughter just walked in with a bouquet of viruses from their garden to have for tonight it's just it's just constant family and it's wonderful
2: Yeah, I bet. Well, praise God for that. That's fantastic. Well, I know you guys have a very busy schedule, so I really appreciate you being on the show. I had the opportunity to uh, meet you guys last year in Dallas at one of the Mm -hmm. Sacred Selections uh, dinner fundraisers, and that was my first time being there, and I was really blown away just seeing the passion that the both of you guys have for what you're doing. I know There may be some who are listening who may not be familiar with sacred selections. So can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: (laughs) Well, um, I love children. And if we want to go all the way back to the beginning, um, when my mother was pregnant with me, the doctor told her to abort me because she would surely die. And my parents, my father, who, um, passed away at 92, after many, many years of being a gospel preacher, they prayed about it and decided to walk in faith, but they told the doctor, you do everything that you know to do. And I lived in my, I was born in a little bitty mining town in New Mexico called Silver City. So not the heart of, you know, medical greatness. And um, I survived because my parents said no to abortion. So I always knew this story and that that powerful thing to have on your heart, to know, that, you know, back in the 50s, I was born in the 50s, you did everything your doctor said. And they went against that um, and went on faith. So you fast forward to marrying David, who I always say, he's medicine. I'm not. I married medicine. And we own this medical laboratories. And we would see girls come in for, uh, we did $10 pregnancy tests. That was before all these home kids. And when the girls would want written uh, confirmation, David would say they're going to go for an abortion. And that would go all over me. And I remember the very first girl that came in and asked for that. And she was a professional. She was 28. This was not a teenager. She worked at Intel. She had a little business suit and a ponytail. And I'll never forget her walking out of the lobby of our lab with that paperwork and knowing that she was going for an abortion. And that just went all over me. And that was 1992. So I've always tracked how old would that child be? Well, today, it would be 28. And um, so we said, we've got to do something. And if you say no to abortion, you must say yes to something else. I mean, that's just the way the world goes. You say, no, it's a track and balance. And the more we got into it and we started working with uh, Christians who wanted to adopt and we started working with girls who wanted to choose adoption for their babies we said, okay, this is it, it's adoption. And then it kept morphing and morphing. And then we had uh, opportunity with a lot of Christian families who said we want to adopt, but we don't have at that time just the attorney's fees were 10 to twenty thousand. And I said, we need to set up a separate from the church, a 501c3 where people could freely give, get the tax credit and know that all the money would go for these adoptions. Um, which is a great idea but if you don't have money you know (laughs) you got you got nothing so we worked on it and worked on it we even uh, got a board together and one of our good friends from college um, we got reconnected through him by way of God and we asked him what type of law one night we were telling him what we were doing and he said uh will I do uh work where I set up nonprofits, and
1: I was like I I said you had no idea what you just volunteered for
0: (laughs) (laughs) I gulped and I said okay Kevin how much and he said oh for you Dana it would be free so they've continued to do all of our legal work for free and set us up and um, it's been a real blessing but still we didn't have the money for the first adoption and then LabCorp came into town which is the largest lab in the world now and they bought us out
1: that was, that was uh, in
0: 2006. And okay. we finally had the money, and David and I went away for a little vacation for a few days, and the more we talked about the resource that God had blessed us with, I just said, let's go home now. Yeah. We've got to get to work now because there are babies who are waiting now. So we went home, and we started working, and you know, God just started opening door after door after door. So I always say, if you... Make a promise to God. Watch out, because <laughs> he's going to hit you with everything, and sometimes it comes really fast, when you're gulping for air, right, David?
1: Yeah. So we actually set up. Um, we we incorporated in 2004. That, that's when this attorney friend of ours who who uh, got got us, you know, got our 501c3 status. But we were still busy running our medical app, and so when we sold it in August of 2006, you know. I mean, just all of a sudden, you know, you, I mean, up until then, I mean, our life was pretty prescribed, you know, I got up at five in the morning, I worked until midnight and I just, it just did that almost seven days a week. And so all of a sudden, all that went away and I was 52 at the time and it was kind of like, gee, what are we going to do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, after we kind of decompressed a little bit, you know, we, we, we talked about that, you know, Dana had this vision of, you know, bringing the two stages of life together, young people who would like to give a child a home and then people, you know, not necessarily older people, but people who, who had already kind of raised their kids, but they had financial resources. Her vision was bring the family and the money together so that a child can find a home. And um, so when you run a business for 25 years, you learn a lot. And mm-hmm. so our vision was to you know God had blessed us with this opportunity. we had time, we had some resources. So we, we wanted to take all of the things that we had learned running a business for 25 years and put it to more directly to work in the kingdom. Yeah. and And Dana had the vision. I said, look, let's just let's just start another business, but at this time it's going to be the Lord's business <laughs> yeah. right yeah. Which is And that yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That is and so we, we, yeah.
1: started, we actually got started officially we got started in february of 2007 and we set up a little card we got set up a card table at the in front of the bookstore at florida college during lectures week and we had some brochures and we just kind of introduced this whole idea to the world and and we had no idea where this was going to go yeah and you know so here we are 13 years later and you know God's people are amazing how they've responded to this. I mean, truly, truly
0: did in the beginning, you know, with an average adoption being 30 to 50. That's five children in our lifetime. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, and then God slapped me in the face and said, Yeah, watch this. (laughs) And now (laughs) we're at 352.
1: Wow. From
0: countries around the world and America. From birth
1: to 17 i mean it's wow. everything and, yeah. and 33 of these kids now that they've you know they've gotten older have been baptized yes that's the magic number.
2: yeah right yeah. that is so that's so fantastic let me ask you and, and that was one of the things that just really stood out to me at the at the dinner just seeing the the passion and the tenacity that you both have really going after this what kind of fears did you guys have, if any, when you guys when you finally got this started in 2007? Is just looking at it now, 352 souls that have been impacted. Um, walk us through a little bit. What were some of those fears, uh, if you had any, when you guys first got started?
1: I, well, you know, that's one thing that you you know we you get used to dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of things in life that that can teach you this lesson, but if you, if you started a business, you learn it really quick and that's, uh, getting comfortable with uncertainty. You know, you, you just, you really don't, you're not just picking a paycheck up every two weeks. I mean, you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you're
0: flying without a net all the time. So
1: so we really did learn to, you know, we we call it the the FIO quotient means, you know, figure it out. And um, but I do remember, I do remember that the very first um couple that applied for a grant, um it was the um the Langfords, Josh and Emily Langford, and we got their application and we were really nervous because you know we had all these forms and we and they sent us all the information and it was very well organized. But we were the first fear was are we making the right decision yeah. to give this couple the grant? They're the first one. And if this goes badly, it's going to be discouraging. It, it, it could be a setback, but the really cool thing about it is that our, my daughter and my son-in-law and our, our son and our nephew, nephew, they, nieces. they all knew Josh and Emily really well. Mm-hmm. And they all just, Together. They just exploded with excitement. Yeah. And they kept saying mom, dad, they're the best couple. They are they yeah. are the perfect couple. And and I look it back now and see almost that that was providential that Josh and Emily were the first one yeah. because they were so highly recommended and what they did during the course we've done we've helped them before. We've helped them four. with four, yeah. we them with four, four adoptions down. And in every single case, the way they conducted themselves, they not only shone, shone the light for for God's God's glory, but they established a very good reputation for sacred selections. So, good. so that was our first fear: was what if we pick a bad family? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Josh and Emily, we look back now with a great deal of of uh, uh, affection for them. Because they made the first adoption funding very positive, very easy. And you know, it could have gone differently. So that was our that was our biggest fear, is like, what if we blow this, you know? But
0: I want to say an aside on Josh and Emily, they were so wonderful. And after the first one and then the second and the third, we had an emergency of a little 18-month-old baby. And I called them and, and of course, they ran to her side and took her. But the next time I saw Josh at a fundraiser, he whispered in my ear. He said, Dana, I have permanently blocked your phone number from my phone. <laughs> uh, we done.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. So at any given time, then, how many couples are you working with?
0: Usually 10 to 15. I'd like it to be 20 to 25 because last year alone um, I received over 650 calls emails or texts about children in one year okay
2: That's how are people how are those 650 people how do they find sacred selections is it through like a bigger adoption agency or how does that work
0: well you know the adoption arena is really quite small um, okay. there are a lot of big players out there and the way the beauty of the way God has instructed us us to set up sacred selections is when we give a grant to a family, we never give them the cash. Um, and we always make that a point. I don't know if you remember at the fundraiser you went to, I always have one of our families there stand up and say, did you get any cash? Because I want them to tell the world, this is the way we run it because we want to be very transparent and we want to be able to show our donors that we know where every penny went to. So we get all of the invoices. And when we get from a new, uh, a new attorney or agency I'll call and say did you like our family yes I go okay I've got your bill right now I'm going to FedEx it to you how about if we do this again because usually uh, adoptions are one maybe two so you don't have repeat business and once uh, a, anybody in the adoption arena works with the sacred sections family and with the, our payments uh, they want to work with us again <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, you know we, again we're we didn't we didn't plan this i mean no. we're really we're really not that smart yeah we're not that smart but, but the way our model has worked what what has emerged out of this is you know we're not competing with other agencies or other attorneys so when an agency calls dana and says i have a i have a birth mother that would like to place her child their child for adoption when they call dana there there's three things that they automatically know is number one there is a a really good, number two, home study approved family and all the funding is in place. So those are some of the three biggest barriers for any agency turning is finding, you know, a, a home study approved family, a really good home study approved family and when you don't have to worry, all the money is there. So in many, many cases now, Dana gets the first, All when there's an opportunity because it's so easy to do business with Sacred Selections and um, and they love our families and we
0: get calls all the time with you know we I'll never forget one we got from an agency in Alabama that called and they said we hear that you help with difficult situations because we our families have adopted every child with just about every physical
1: abnormality you can think of Mm -hmm. and. I can, I'm overhearing the phone call, and and she says, "Hi, this is Dana," and 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 he's responding back, kind of whispering, and and she said, "Are, are you okay? Is, are sick. you are you okay to talk?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm in a duck blind. <laughs> he was he was he was out <laughs> duck hunting, and he still picked <laughs> up the phone." You <laughs> he, he, he took her a call. I know what I said, what you took my <laughs> call.
0: In. He goes, "Well, I know you only call if it's important, and I wanted to be here for it. Well, uh-huh. you know, you just get that. We had okay. one situation where on a Friday at five o'clock, I got a call from um, a social worker who said, "I'm going to remove a child from a home. Mm-hmm. If you have another Sacred Selections family who can adopt this family, be ready to go here in town." With certification with an attorney before 9 o'clock on Monday, you can have this child. Yeah. This was the social we would worked with before. And she knew if she removed the child, the child would go to the state. But she said, I'll give you 48 hours. Mm. Well, as God would have it, we had a family. And we just told them, I said, you got to move fast. Just start driving west. And they go, tell us where we're going. I said, we'll talk on the way. Just get in the car and start driving west. They got there, got there in time. They were there, had all their credentials. I had my attorneys call, get in. Everything was done. And that night, the uh, social worker said, she said, I have never in my life seen anybody do anything so fast. She said, this is incredible. And I said, yeah, this is God. And she said, well, it has to be, honey, because you can't do this. And I said, I know I can't. (laughs) I said, but to make it even better, my attorney that was in the state um, was in Bermuda on vacation." But wow. she took that call and made all those connections and called the judge to stay everything so that we could get it moving forward. So, yeah, wow. there are some unbeliever warriors that work for us and help us because they believe in us and they love our pick and selections families.
2: Yeah. Well, you guys are doing great things for so many people. I'm always curious. Uh, you guys have been doing this since 2006. Were you guys working together in the lab? Prior to this, I was like, oh, yeah. "So, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that." We only have a few more minutes left. Uh, give us some insight. Give us some tips. How you two have been able to work together so well? You know, sometimes you hear husbands and wives, and you know they uh, they just don't seem to be able to to work in a in a work type setting. Uh, how have you guys yeah. been able to make it work?
0: We laugh a lot. <laughs> you know, he's got a great sense of humor. We're both we both can fun of ourselves it's it's
1: yeah yeah i I always say sign of a good marriage is a scarred tongue (laughs) (laughs) you just you just just learned you just learned about it you know
0: it's not easy but it sure is rewarding and it's wonderful and david took a job after we had sold the lab with in with a hospital and i said do you realize it's the first time in all your years of marriage, we celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary this year. And I said, that, I don't know who you're working with. I don't know, you know. Was, <laughs> I, that was kind of weird, but it was there were
1: There were many times, I'm sure, for both of us that, I mean, I remember spe- specifically thinking when times were, I mean, really bad. I mean, it, it's, there's been points where we almost lost everything, you know, more than once. More than once, um, yeah. But But I, I can tell you many times that, the only confidence that I had that we were going to make it was because Dana loved God more than she loved me. (laughs) You know,
2: fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a powerful thing. Something
2: good. Yeah. Well, yeah. What a blessing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the greatest blessing. We were surrounded. My parents uh, were the first ones to donate to sacred selections. They were also very supportive of us during this time. My father had three forms of uh, cancer, but still lived to be 92 lost a a, a kidney and he lived he and mom lived with us for many years and uh during that time they were so steadfast in prayer to for us that we both feel like they were an integral part of our success just and they were married almost 70 years
1: so. so you know yeah right now you know ben what what you're doing giving us this opportunity To you know, share our story on your on your podcast is 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 more valuable. You probably realize
0: very valuable um,
1: because of this whole you know coronavirus pandemic situation that we're in. um, You know, we've been really struggling for ways to keep ourselves you know uh, out there and and keep ourselves visible in across the country. when when all this started to happen at the beginning or middle of March, we had like six events that were supposed to be. They were some of our biggest events of the year, you know, traditionally, and they all just went away. And so we we thought we could easily be facing a three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollar shortfall in in our typical revenue from March through the end of June, which translates into fifteen to twenty children. Yeah, and
0: I cried all night. I mean, so I just, I was turning situations away because we didn't have the money and it was, yeah. So
1: this was, yeah. a, this was another thing where lessons that we have learned in, from running our business is, you know, you hit crises all the time. I mean, there are things that just, you know, sometimes they call them black swan events and it's, it's where you have to just not panic and say, just start thinking what can yeah. we do and so we we started with the fireside chats you know that was within some, 48 hours of all this falling we, apart we thought, okay what can we do yeah so the idea was not necessarily to raise a lot of money but we have to be we have to we can't go dark we have to yeah. be our message still has to be out there and the, the really cool thing about the fireside chats is our supporters started piling on with their own yes. ways to improve it mm-hmm. and turned the Fireside Chats into $10,000 of, of donation. Wow. Um, and what's interesting is all of the people who had planned, they had worked all year long to put on these big in-person events. And in matters of two weeks to maybe a month, they had to completely turn around and do a virtual event Yeah, and which was brand new. So I love passionate people that think creatively and yes. will not quit. And, and what's interesting is right now we are actually ahead of what we were, where we would have been historically. Wow. And and that's a test, not only to the, these people who won't quit, but it's a testament to these donors who are continuing to support this, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I say is it shows that the brethren will pay a premium not to have to see each other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what it's really all about. huh?
0: I want to share with you one more poignant story as far okay. as what's going on right now, because of what David was saying, when you get out there and what does God say, but say my name, say my name. And that's the same way in what we're trying to do. And, and Through one of these podcasts, somebody shared our story with somebody, and um, they called us one afternoon, and they said, you need to talk with this man, and he's very ill, and he asked if what we were going to do with the money and what we do this, and we're, like I said, we're very transparent. David and I don't take any money for this. We run it out of our home, our, uh, this is my iPhone, That's, Mm -hmm. that's everybody's phone, you know, that's it. And uh, when we told them, he said, okay, I'm going to send you a big check and I'm going to put you in my will and wow. I'm going to children to follow. Mm. So, you know, that changes you. That changes you and humbles you because this is a man uh, who's facing certainty and he is taking his time to help others. And he immediately sent us a check and we immediately put it to work and we... Send him pictures of the baby and the family that he helped. We don't give out names, we keep our generous benefactors anonymous. And they sent him pictures and just were humbled so much that somebody would help them in an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. So it's that cycle that keeps going. And, and he wrote me back and he said, Thank you. I mean, he was in the hospital on his phone texting us.
2: Wow, what a blessing. You don't know
1: Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, Yeah, the reason actually the reason that we came out here, we've been planning this move for about three years now. And we we came out here because over the last thirteen years, on average, we make twenty to twenty-five trips a year to this part of the country. And every time you fly slingshot. Yeah, every time you fly from California, it's it's at least a ten to twelve hour day. And that's just getting to be old. Um, so we wanted to get closer to where we work, so to speak. And then the other thing was, you know, we we are focused now is to establish the foundation so that it can outlive us. Mm-hmm. And so we we are very much focused now on legacy planning. And and part of that is is meeting people and getting to know people that can be the next generation to run it. And so being here is is part of our legacy planning. Um, We have put in place some financial models that we hope will start to give Sacred Selections an operational budget. Um, We we tell people all the time that that any private donation, 100% of that goes to adoption, and 100% of the uh, any fundraiser proceeds. Now there are costs associated with putting on the fundraiser, but once those costs are met, everything goes directly to adoption. We're not we're not taking a penny to run this, but we do have an operational and an administrative budget, and typically that budget is less than four percent of all the money that we raise, but but that those expenses are covered by corporate donors. So we have, right now, we have uh, TechSouth from Birmingham. We have the heirloom companies from North Carolina. We have um, Mm -hmm. One Stone from Bowling Green. We have Griffin Solutions, and we have uh, my daughter's company, CC My Admin, who are giving us donations but they're also giving us permission to use those donations to cover our operating costs. So one of the things, and, and that's been what we've been doing that now for three years, but to anybody that's listening to your podcast, if, if you would like to be a part and one of our corporate donors that allows this organization to continue to grow and to continue through time please contact us because at some point Dana and I are going to be gone. Yeah. And at that point we've been blessed. I mean, we can do this for nothing, but I don't know that we could hand running this organization over to somebody and, and not, if, not pay them. It's, a, yeah. lot yeah. <laughs> can, it's um, a lot of work.
2: Where can people find you? I know we're about out of time. Where can people find you if they want to help, if they want to donate?
1: Well, give them your phone number. Yeah. Call
0: 916 770 0336. But our, um, our webpage is sacredselections.org. And it has our address, more phone numbers, everything that they need.
1: And uh, we would love to hear from them. Yeah. It's, it, you know, so we we have, you know, basically we have two, we have the, the general funds where people donate from the events and that 100% of that goes to adoption. And then we have corporate donors that, that give us money and they give us permission to use that for covering our operating costs. But, um, you know, again, for less than 4% of your gross revenues is a pretty effective model. And the biggest reason is, well, two biggest reasons. One is we have no paid staff. And two, we have no we have no physical overhead. I mean, in terms of a building or an office, you know, it, it's literally runs out of our kitchen table.
0: But you know, Ben, if Secret Selections were to die with us, I would, yeah, that we wouldn't have done it right. And so we're we're actively looking for people who would want to be a part of this going forward, as well as actively looking for people who would like to add to our endowment to keep it so that people can get paid. It. And there's no reason why they shouldn't get. Uh, But for years and years and years, you know, the church has set up to where, you know, oh, you
1: can't take church funds, which I totally agree. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we've never taken, we've even sent checks back from congregations that tried to send us money. And we just, we just have that conversation and said, we can't do that. But
0: we built the model. God is God has built it for us that we show how this can run and run effectively. So we just need, we just need your help. Getting the word out there.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead.
1: <clears throat> well, I, I just, you know, at this point in in our life, you know, I I read the first, the opening verse in Joshua when God tell when God is speaking to Joshua and He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, go. go. Right. Yeah. At some point, Dave and Dana are going to be dead. But keep this going. There's, there is, this is not about. We're looking for Joshua. That's what we're doing. We're looking for Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. This is about us. This is, this is something that God has always expected his people to do is to care for the fatherless. And, And so there's no reason that it should quit when we're gone.
2: Yeah. Well, you guys are doing great work and I know you guys have impacted so many lives and just just going to one of the fundraisers and learning more about you guys has just been a, a blessing for me. And we have a lot of friends who have been positively impacted by sacred collections So thank you so much for what you're doing and your time. I know there's another event that you guys are getting ready to have. So uh, yeah. I really appreciate the time and I'll do my best to spread the word here and We'll try to get this out to as many people as possible, but God bless you both. Uh, uh, final word for the audience.
1: Well, keep us in your prayers. This, this is, you know, there's, there's so many things that you can do. Not everyone can adopt. Um, Jesus said one time, you know, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. And one of the, one of the meanings of despise is to count of no value. Um, You can do something to show that you value the life of a child, especially one that needs a father and whatever, whatever it is, don't walk past the opportunity. Yeah. Don't walk on the other
0: side. And if you're looking for ideas, call me, I'll, I'll plug you in because there's lots of work that needs to be done, but we know this is God and we appreciate your prayers because the devil doesn't like what we're doing at all. And he's putting up more and more roadblocks every day because he sees this success. And he knows that these children, if they get into Christian homes, are become great warriors against him one day. So he's he's after us. And we need your prayers. Thanks
1: so much, Ben, for doing that. All right.
2: right. We'll be back for you. And take care. And God bless.